Welcome to the Radiant Life Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we pray will inspire your heart and challenge your faith. For more information on RLC, please visit myrlc.family or check us out on social media. Have a blessed day. Now here's your message. I'm so thankful that we have the moment to be here this morning to continue on our series, Thriving in Babylon. Uh, We're talking and looking through the book of Daniel, living for God uh, in this cultural moment. We're not here just to survive and to make it through. As Kathy said, we're not, man, there's more to to life than just, man, the day you're born and the day you die. There's a whole lot more in between and we just don't want to survive. We want to be able to thrive. We see more and more that we're living in an adversarial combative culture towards Christianity. And we want to make sure that we're doing all that we can to be able to stand and stand firm in what God has called us to. Uh, And I mentioned this last week and I'm going to mention it every week. There's just a caution and here's the caution. This is not an us versus them, right? We're to love our neighbor, this isn't, oh, you think differently than me. You voted differently than me. You, you act differently than me. No, that's not what this is about, all right? It's about having truly the empowerment to where we can thrive in, a, in our culture, to where we will be able to be used by God in such a mighty and a powerful way. And so we've, we've talked about control. We've talked about, a little bit about uh, courage. Today, we're gonna be talking about conviction. And so if we're going to thrive, then we need to be people of conviction. A number of years ago, uh, I was not always a lead pastor. I was a youth pastor for about six years and then an associate for about four and a half. And uh, how many know that when, when, even when you get older, you still make dumb decisions? Okay. So when you're younger, you make really dumb, dumb decisions. And uh, so there was this moment where uh, as associate, I was in charge of all of the maintenance inside and outside the church. And the church had two properties, one where the building was, and then 30 acres of land with two ball fields, a barn, a pond and, uh, that we used for community outreach just right down the road. So I was in charge of making sure that those, those looked good. They were always taken care of. And um, in the building we were in, it was built in the 50s, and the landscaping had not been redone for about 40 years. All right. And so it had the big overgrown giant green shrubs that every home that was built at that time had. And there was about 15 of them. And I said, hey, let's do this. We went to a local nursery. They mapped out this whole new, hey, here's the shrubs. And they laid it out for us, looked great. But it came time to get rid of the old. And so we hooked up a truck and we just started ripping these things out with chains and they were huge, right? These things were big. And then we realized that we had a, we had a small flatbed of shrubs that we needed to get rid of. So what are we gonna do with them? Right, what do you do with these things now that you've ripped them out? And I said, well, hey, listen, we have a bonfire area down at the property. We'll just take them down there and we'll burn them. No big deal. So we, sure enough, we hauled them down there and we'd already done some remodeling in the church. So there was some wood, there was some paneling. We'd done some cleaning. So we threw some other things in there. I, I think even somebody threw a uh, box spring mattress, okay, in there. This pit was about 20 foot wide. Uh, so then we added the shrubs and we put the shrubs on there. So it was about 20 foot wide. Uh, in the center, it was maybe eight foot tall-ish. Um, and so now our girls' ministry is out there and they're going to have, they're going to roast some marshmallows. So we'll use the pit. Okay. Well, the lead pastor at the time said, Hey, I got some used uh, boat motor oil slash gasoline that you could put on this fire. I was like, yes. How many gallons? It was like three, four, maybe five gallons. I don't know. It doesn't matter. And so I went out there and I just, I started saturating. It had been about six weeks since we put the bushes, the shrubs out there, and they were no longer green. They were brown. I don't think it had rained for about two weeks. And uh, so this fire pit's ready to go. So your boy walks up to it. 
lights that thing. And I was like, oh, this thing's starting to really take off. This thing's really starting to take off. Sure enough, 20 foot wide, eight foot tall, the flames of this thing were probably reaching 30 feet in the air. This thing would, if you got close enough, would burn, melt the first layer of skin off your face. All right, so here's the deal. I'm out there and I'm like, this is not going well. We're, we're in Lafayette Township. How fast can the firefighters get here? Because all I see are these flames heading towards the, the limbs of the tree above it. And I'm like, it's gonna light the whole thing up. Ohio is going to look like California. Like this is gonna happen and it's my fault. And there's nothing I can do about it. Here's why. Do you know what I showed up with that day in order to make sure the fire didn't get out of control? That's it. I walked out to a 20-foot bonfire, eight foot tall, with a bottle of water. Now, the only reason I bought the bottle of water with me is because it was hot and I was thirsty, but this is all I had. And so I am literally standing out at that fire like, I look like a priest with holy water. Like, no, Lord, let it go. Don't, I don't want to get fired. I don't want to lose my job. Just stop it. Stop it. And uh, so this verse to me really came into play because John 16, says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. And I was like, surely if you've overcome the world, you can overcome this small bonfire, Lord. Like, let it rain, do something, breathe, put it out. And uh, I just want you to know, no trees were damaged. It's the... It stayed away. Um, it finally concluded. It was funny because all the girls from the, the sleepover started walking towards it. And I was like, you guys can just stop right here. And they were like, but we're like 40 feet away. And I was like, just give it 20 or so minutes. It'll die down. And then sure enough, it died down. We had some great hot dogs and marshmallows and it was wonderful. And we got rid of all the bushes. But, but some of you may feel like the fire you're in currently is so overwhelming and all you have is a water bottle. And you're showing up and you're like, this is all I got, but this is raging. Right? The, the relationship fire that I'm in is huge and the water bottle's not enough. The financial fire that I'm in and all I have is my water bottle. Right? The spiritual fire that I find myself in and all I'm walking to is with this water bottle. The medical issue that, that you have, you're like, it's, it's a raging fire and all I have is a water bottle. So what am I supposed to do in the fire? What am I supposed to do? Let's check out this other verse. It says in 1 Peter 1.7, it says, These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. But your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong, the many trials, I hate that word many, um, but it's in there, so we got to read it. Uh, Though many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed in the whole world. Peter said that these trials will reveal your faith. What's he saying? He's saying the testing of your faith results in the ability to trust in your faith. Right? The testing of your faith results in the ability to trust your faith. How do you know God will never leave you nor forsake you? Walk through something, walk through a fire, walk through a trial, and you'll know he's always going to be there. But you'll never know if you're not in the midst of that fire. Joshua saw, what, the Red Sea part, and then we talked about it last week, that then all of a sudden now he's at this moment, and then the Jordan River parts. Why? Because his faith was already tested, and since it was tested, it could be trusted, because he know God came through in this moment, he's going to come through in that moment. David, when he gets to flight Goliath, and we talk about it all the time, like, who do you, yeah, I'm standing at you, who am I coming against? This is who I'm coming against. I'm coming at you in the name of the Lord. How could he possibly have that kind of faith that after Goliath had killed all, all these mighty men that surely the runt of the family, right? David, how are you going to slay with a slingshot, with a smooth stone? How's that going to hurt? Well, let me, let me think. There was this one time when I killed a lion and a bear, 
And so if God was with me in those trials and in those seasons and those fires, surely he's going to be with me when it comes to Goliath. Elijah, we talked about this. He prayed no rain and there was no rain. Right? Then all of a sudden he's, he's, he's showing up before all the, the, the gods and he's like, hey, listen, there's an altar and God, I want you to show up and I want you to consume it. And he takes the stones, the water, the, the, the burnt, everything, and he consumes it. So then, of course, when it's time to him to pray for the rain to come, how many know he's going to have the faith? Why? Because it's already been tested. And the results now are the ability that you have a faith that can be trusted. And so now he's standing firm, knowing that God is going to show up. Elisha, he sees healing in the waters, the resurrection of the Shumanite son. And now he's like, there's an axe head that's going to float. Why? How do you have that kind of faith? Because it's already been tested. And since it's been tested, he knows it can be trusted. And so then you have this faith, this next level faith, because it's been tested, it can be trusted. See, so many of us, we all, how many, you know, how many, by a show of hands, how many of you all want a miracle? Whatever it is, you just want a miracle, right? If someone said, hey, right now, there's a million dollars coming your way. You want that? Yes, Lord, pick me. Anybody else? <laughs> This is not a name it and claim it, right? This is not a blab it and gab it. This is, but we would all want a miracle. Here's the issue, though, with when we all want a miracle. None of us want to be in the position that necessitates a miracle. I go, just give it to me. Well, if you're in a position for a miracle and a miracle comes, you're grateful. But none of us want to be in that position. Like, this could be painful. This could be hurtful. This is, this is going to cause some strife. This is, going to be, this is going to have some issues with it. Today, we're going to look at the faith some young men who were tested, some teenage boys, probably the age of 14 or 15, named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And my hope today is that as you leave, that you'll have the type of faith that's willing to stand with a biblical conviction, a faith that's willing to stand with a biblical conviction. In Daniel chapter 3, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, he's, he's, he's like, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make this giant statue. Scripture says it's about 90 foot tall, 9 foot wide. So we're going to make this big old gold statue. And the king's like, listen, I'm going to give you a decree. I'm going to give you a command. This is not a suggestion. This is not a if you feel like it. This is a you're going to. So we're going to put this statue out. When I put it out, all I want you to do is I want you to come and bow and worship me. Right now, there's this opportunity where everybody comes and they get to bow and they begin to worship. In Daniel chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. Says, then a herald shouted, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. Again, this is not a suggestion, this is a commandment. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other musical instruments, so when you, when you are in the midst of this powerful worship moment, I want you to bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. So here's what I'm asking of you. If you do not do it, here, here's what's going to then be the consequences for your lack of action. In verse six, anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. All right, so here's what's expected. Here's the consequences for the actions. And then as you read it along uh, in verse 12 through 15, you're seeing everybody's coming. They're like, yep, we're gonna do this. We're gonna bow, we're gonna worship, and we're gonna be in front of this gold statue because this is what's going to happen. Yet there are three young men who are like, this isn't going to happen. We're gonna stand with conviction. We're going to stand with conviction, even when our faith is tested, even when there is fire that is a consequence, maybe for not bowing, we're going to take the stance and we're not going to bow. We're not going to worship. We will stand. How many know that seems like a bad day, right? That's going to be a bad day. How many of you ever had a bad day? How many of your bad days ever look like this? Right? Wet concrete, no good on heavy vehicle. All right, maybe your bad day looked like this. 
I hope it never does that you get stuck in a river with a 15-foot alligator. But if it does, that's a bad day. I don't know why, but that's just a bad day. Or maybe your bad day could look like this. <laughs> he was listening to some Lionel Richie. Oh, what a feeling when you're dancing on the ceiling. Didn't work out very well for him. Um, but that's just a bad day when you fall through your ceiling. Uh, that's called missing your rafter. Uh, drywall does not hold human body, just so you're aware. Uh, next picture. Let's take a look at it. Yeah, that's a bad day. All I think of is dumb and dumber. I don't know why I see that. And, <laughs> and then I think of, it's warm. No, just don't talk about that. But that's a bad day when your body's full of icicles and then you look like that. But then you could be having a really bad day because sometimes you just... That's what happens when the conga line stays on one side of the boat too long and it just gets crazy. Uh, but then you could, speaking of boats, you could have a bad day like this. You're doing it wrong, huh? <laughs> right? Hashtag nailed it. Um, I don't know if you're aware, but the boat goes in first, kids. That's just the way it's supposed to work. And then for those of you with kids, it's really interesting when you do that one, two, three, and you throw your kid up in the air and you hang on, but sometimes you forget you have another kid in the other hand, and then you end up like that lady. Yeah. You know what I love about that picture? That she has a ginger in her hand, and that's the kid she's going to drop on its head. That's how I ended up the way I am, because my mom probably was that, right? But sometimes you just have a bad day. These young men, they're about to experience and face something that is going to not just be a bad day. It's going to be a horrible day. But yet they have a faith that was tested, which empowered them to have the ability to have a faith that could be trusted. And so what can we learn from these young boys about faith? Here's the first thing if you're taking notes. Faith requires us to stand in obedience. Everyone's bowing. Everybody's doing it. Like, yep, 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 good statue. Yep, don't want to die. Don't want to go to a furnace. Yet these boys are standing. In Daniel chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. Can you imagine just for a moment being 14, maybe 15 years old, staring down a king, eminent death is in front of you, and you're saying, hey, listen, king, I hear what you have to say, uh, but we don't really even need to answer you because this isn't about you and me. This is about something bigger. This is about us standing for our convictions. Can you imagine that at 14, maybe 15 years old? How many 14 or 15-year-olds we got in the building? All right, this is what I want you to do. All the 14 and 15-year-olds, make your way forward. Do me a favor. Come on. I didn't say the, uh, everybody in the center. Come on, camera's over here, center. Look at all our beautiful young people. Keep coming. Now, some of you, I know you wanted to be cool and come stand in this line, but you, could, you just were like, nah, I'm a little over. I'm a tad over, 30-ish years over, 14, 15. Here's the deal, though. Can you imagine being their age and a king? Like, just imagine, young people, just imagine all these people are the mean kings. Okay, like there's, that's Nebuchadnezzar, all right? And you have, you are staring down and you understand at age of 14 or 15 that if you don't bow, you will end up in a furnace, that your life will be over. Yet you have the wisdom, you have the, the conviction to say, that's okay. I'm taking my stand. I won't be moved. doesn't matter what you have to say. And King, I'm not trying to mock you. I don't think you're a bad leader, but, but, but there's a bigger purpose here that I need to serve. There's a, you, you, you may look at yourself as a God, but I serve a God, right? The God, big G, not lowercase. Like this is a big deal and I'm gonna stand in my conviction. Can you imagine having that kind of faith that's been tested so that gives you and empowers you the ability that your faith will be trusted? Being 14 or 15 years old, 
It's awesome. You guys can have a seat. Thank you. Appreciate you. Here's the thing that I love about, about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They didn't pray about it. You know what, King? Yeah, if you could give me an hour or two, let me pray about it. Let me come back to you, see if this is the right decision. They didn't go, you know what? We fasted before, like with our buddy Daniel. We've had to fast and we don't want to, we're, we're going to see if that's the right thing to do. So we're going to fast. No, they didn't, they didn't pray about it. They didn't fast about it. They said, hey, listen, here's what we need to do. Here's what we really need to do. Because this is all wisdom. Here's what we're going to do. Because it's, it's an issue that we're not sure what to do, the best place ever to find out is to go to Facebook and put it on Facebook and take a poll. What should we do? The king is saying we should bow and we choose. We're thinking about choosing not to. What do you say? Check yes or no. Like, no, they didn't do that. Do you know what they did? They had a predetermined mindset of it doesn't really matter what you're asking of us. The, our only answer is obedience. Our only action is obedience. So King, you can say bow and we're not going to do it. King, you can say jump and we're not going to do it. It's not whether or not we're going to follow you. It's whether or not we are going to stand upon our, our biblical conviction, our conviction that we will not have any other God but God. And they took that stance. Are we willing to take that stance? And they could have had a plan B. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they could have had a plan B. Like, hey, listen, guys, this is what we're going to do. So no one's going to know it because they can't see our hearts. So maybe we'll bow, and instead of worshiping Nebuchadnezzar's statue, we'll just sing the Stand by Hill song, right? I'll stand. No one knows it. We're singing our hearts, like, all right, and we're just going after it. So no one's going to know it. It'll be fine. Not a big deal. They didn't do that plan B. Or maybe their plan B was, sounds like a lot of our plan Bs, Right, where they could have sat down and they could have worshipped and they said they could have woke up the next day with shame and guilt and condemnation and they said, listen, we're waking up and we're not feeling very good and so we're just going to pray and God, would you forgive us? Because God, you are faithful and just and you have mercy and you have grace and you know what we're walking through and so this is going to be very important. You wouldn't want us to get burned because then we couldn't be light for you and surely then this is going to be good and so with our guilt and with our shame, would you forgive us? How many times do we do that? We would make a horrible choice. And then we wake up feeling shame or guilt. And we're like, God, just forgive me. And I promise I won't do it again. I had a conversation with the other day. The hardest prayer ever, I ever prayed was, was during my hangovers. God, I'll never drink again. Lie. I won't drink until my headache goes away. Then it's all over. And then the prayer that I prayed, I will break my end of the deal, even though you're going, always going to uphold yours. But they didn't pray that. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't go to God the next day after that decision. Or they could have, said, could have said something like this. Ah, here's the deal. Guys, listen. Our choice, our decision, it's not going to have an impact in anybody else's life. It's not going to affect anybody. It's just our personal decision. So it's not that big of a deal. Is it that big of a deal? No, it's not that big of a deal. So let's just do it. It'll be fine. And it won't have, it won't have impact. Here we are thousands of years later still talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The fact that they stood. They didn't sit. They didn't bow. Here's the issue. is Sitting on biblical convictions will compromise your commitment. Now, when you stand on a now here's the key to the, this phrase. If you eliminate the word biblical and you just put personal conviction, that's where we get into trouble. Because this is a biblical conviction, not just a personal one. Like, uh, so we can argue all day long the way a steak should be cooked. Well done is the only way. Rare doesn't make any sense. Like, if I wanted a live cow, I would just go chew it while it's standing out in the field, okay? But I don't. Um, I'm just kidding with you. But, but see what I'm saying? That's just a personal, that's a personal issue. It's a personal opinion. And how many know that you can have your own opinion and be right? It's just personal. I like my steak that way. You like your steak that way. We don't have to fight. We don't have to argue. We just cook it differently. No big deal. 
But this is not what we're talking about. We're talking about a biblical conviction. So if you sit on it, instead of stand upon it, you will compromise your commitment and your calling for the kingdom of God. Many of us just need to grasp the power of no. Saying no, no, I won't do that. No, I don't want to do that. No, I don't need to do that. No, I don't have to do that. No, I don't need to go there. No, I don't need to look at that. Because why? Because there's power in the no. Number two, if you're taking notes, what can we learn from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when it comes to faith? Is this, faith requires us to stand even when we cannot see. Stand even when we cannot see. Daniel chapter three, verse 17. says, we are, we are thrown into the blazing furnace. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. And again, I don't think this is an insult. Like your majesty, like, oh, what, can you, what are you going to do? We serve someone bigger. I think, I think they had respect for the authority, the position. But even as great and as powerful as Nebuchadnezzar was, what they're saying is the God I serve is even greater. Right? Is even greater. But God moment. And maybe you've had a horrible doctor's report. Maybe you've got some test results and they just don't look good. And now you're here in this moment and you're like, I need to have a faith that sees even when I cannot see. And you may be thinking to yourself, God is, God is able to heal. God is able to heal. But what if we, we understand that he's able, but could we take that faith to another level and say he's willing? Right? He's not just able, he's willing. Right? This isn't just a, I'm going to pray and, and, and in this, hear me on this. This isn't, well, I'll just pray and never go see or never follow through with the doctor's plan. No, you're going to follow through with the doctor's plan, but you're going to have the faith that God is able and he is willing to heal. It's because that's who he is. It's in his nature. I think about even last week during our service, I got this email uh, from our website from, from a dear friend of ours. Uh, their husband was here in service and she was not. She was at home. And so we get this email saying, hey, listen, we just want you to know, you know, when my husband was at service, he, he, he came home and he was all excited about it. But when he got home, he found me unresponsive. Now, I struggle with diabetes. Just want you to know, so she's typing it. So just want you to know I'm okay. But I was watching the sermon and, and I remember Pastor Angel saying, and then I remember you during the message because she did announcements. And, and, and I, remember, I remember you saying this in your message. And so sure enough, I got transported to the local emergency room. And all I kept hearing was, it's going to be okay. Nobody will take you from my hand. I just want you to know your, your sermon was speaking to me even while I was in a diabetic coma. And eight hours later, I remember very little, but just bits and pieces. But I just remember hearing it's going to be okay. Nothing will take you from my hand. And sure enough, she's fine. But it was in that moment of, God, is it, are you, could you possibly be using this message? Yeah, because he's able and willing to heal. Maybe you're, you're looking at a, a dangerously low checking account. Here's the first thing I'm going to tell you to do, right? I want you to have faith to trust that he's willing and he's able. But here's the first thing I'm going to ask you to do. Cancel your cable and sell all your toys. Then have the faith to be able, that he's going to do, he's willing and he's able. And then start giving your way out of it. That's the way God works. And so we got to have the faith to believe that he's able and that he's willing, that he truly is Jehovah Jireh, that he is our provider. Maybe you have a relationship that's falling apart. He's willing and able to restore we, as humanity, was separated from God. Yet Jesus came to give his life that we could have reconciliation and restoration back to our Father. 
And so that's the business in which God operates in. He's willing to do whatever it takes to see relationships restored, even by willing to give his only begotten son. And so God is willing. He is able. He's willing and able if we will let him. And I get it. In a room this size, people watching online, there's going to be doubt. And sometimes what happens is we begin to think one way. We see the obstacles in front of us one way. We, we feel like, God, I've prayed and it didn't happen. And so in our minds, we begin to make up, this is all it's going to be and it's never going to be anything else. And then that faith, that lack of what we feel is an answer or the circumstances around us begin to define our faith for us. But hear me on this church. God is not confined to the things that you and I see. He's not confined. He's not stuck. He doesn't have to be put in a box. He's God. All throughout scripture, you see humanity putting in box and God going, well, this doesn't make any sense. Why would you put me in a box? We'll build an ark. We'll save humanity. How many know that? Why would I do that? If Noah was like, that's just a bad idea. That's, God, surely that's not what you're asking me. No, that's what you're asking me. Well, how am I supposed to do it? I'm going to provide. I'm going to make a way when there seems to be no way. And everybody who's walking by make in front of you, and they're mocking you for, for, for you stepping out in this crazy faith when there's no rain. And how is it possibly going to flood? And what are you going to do? And then all of a sudden it happens. But do we have the faith that requires us to stand when we cannot see? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ask, dare, or hope. The problem with too many of us is that we want to reap a harvest from seeds that we're unwilling to plant. Right? We want to reap a harvest of seeds we're unwilling to plant. Like you walk by a beautiful garden and you're like, man, they got tomatoes, they got eggplant, they got cucumbers, you know, they got peppers, every kind of pepper. And you're like, that's great. I don't have any of those. What did you plant in your garden? Well, I don't have a garden. You got to put in the work. You got to put in the effort. What, just imagine with me for a moment that your story your story of faith, your journey of faith, of, of the fires that you've walked through, the legacy that you have that you've walked through. Maybe you're not going to reap the harvest of that, but maybe the next generation, maybe, maybe it's a, a grandchild saying, listen, I saw the faith of grandma and grandpa. Man, and when they were in the fire, they had, they had faith. And they walked through and they were, they were not burned at all. They were not harmed. They had a faith and that's the kind of faith I want. And your legacy lives on. Maybe it's mom, dad, sister, brother, aunt, uncle, whatever it is. But you're in this moment and you're like, man, I, I want to be able to plant the seeds that one day there will be a harvest. But in the, in the moment, if there's not the harvest, just keep planting the seeds. Or just keep putting out the breadcrumbs. See what God will do. See what God will do. Do we have that kind of faith? The last thing I see with these boys and their faith is this. Faith requires us to take personal responsibility of our obedience, but leave the outcomes up to God. Right? Faith requires us to take personal responsibility of our obedience, but leave the outcome up to God. Daniel 3.18, it says, but even if he doesn't, right? even if he doesn't, like he's going to rescue us, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Now for us, we can look at this and go, of course they're going to have faith. This is such an easy situation. Why? Because we know the outcome. We have, the, we have the next few verses. We know how the story ends. We learned it in Sunday school. We were taught it in boys and girls ministry. We've preached on it. Like this ends really well for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Of course, this is easy. Of course, you'll take this stance because you survive. They didn't have the next page. They didn't have the next verse. 
They didn't, they, they didn't have this, okay, this is what's going to happen because they didn't know the outcome. We've got three young boys who are getting ready to face a really hot oven. They're going to become burnt sacrifices for taking this stance. And they didn't know what God is going to do, but their faith was unwavering. Why? Because they knew of the goodness. They knew of the power and the heart of their God. And so in response, here's how the king responds. He's like, listen, oh, you're not going to. Oh, he's going to come to your rescue. Well, let's see him rescue from this. We're going to take this furnace up another level. Actually, we're going seven levels. This is going to be intense. We're going to turn this thing up seven times hotter and see what your God does then. Oh, on top of that, we don't want you to escape just in case. And so we're going to bind your hands. And so then he orders soldiers, right, to come and bind the hands of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And now all of a sudden it's time to get thrown into the furnace. It's time for you to die. The Bible says that it's so hot that, that when the soldiers are up there putting the men into the furnace, that the soldiers died. The soldiers died. They weren't inside the furnace. They were outside the furnace. Yet that's how hot this furnace was. And yet here all of a sudden these men are going in. But remember, we're trusting God for the outcomes. Right? We're not trusting ourselves. We're not trusting our own good work. We're not trusting our own religion or our own way. We're trusting God, the creator of the world, the universe, your spirit, your soul. We're trusting God for the outcome. And here's the outcome in Daniel chapter 3, verse 24 and 25. It says, but suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed, exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, he replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Right? Can you just imagine in that moment? Because God's always going to show up. He has the power. He is willing, and he is able. But there's a difference. There's a difference in our life when he shows up in such a powerful way in the midst of the, some of the darkest moments in our life. You see, you want a faith that's, that's tested and can be trusted. That means you have to sometimes walk through the fire. You want to you wanna rely on the tangible presence of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, and sometimes we're going to have to go through the fire. Sometimes in our faith, we're going to have to go through the fire. The scripture says that what? They were unharmed. They were unburned. Their robes weren't even burned. Isn't that crazy? Soldiers dying, yet they're in a fire, and they're, un, they're, not, they're not harmed in any way. But there was something that day that was burned. Did anybody see it in scripture? Right? There was something that day that was burned. They were thrown in and they were bound. But as the king looked in, he says, I don't see three, I see four, but they're roaming around and they're no longer bound. Right? They're no longer bound. And many of you are facing a fire right now, whether it's a big or a small fire, and you're begging God to deliver you from the suffering. You're begging God, would you just end this season this is a horrible season, God. I don't want to walk through it. God, there is a season of hurt. This is a season of pain. This is a, a season of torment. This is a season of struggle. This is a season of, and you can continue to fill in the blank. But hear me on this, just like we saw in this story. What if the season you want God to remove is the season that God wants to use to set you free? Right? What if, what if the season you want God to remove is the season that goes, God's like, no, 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 no. I could take that from you, but if I take that from you, you'll still be bound. But if I come in this season and use this season, then you will experience my freedom because you no longer have to be bound. And what if the season you're walking through right now is the season where God wants to set you free? 
Because this is what happens. Here, look, look at the results, Daniel 3, 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He didn't say praise be to me in my 90 foot statue. Look at the cap, right, on the, on the scripture. It's, it's a big G. Praise be to the God of. He didn't say praise Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Look at what you did. No, this is a praise to the God you serve because of what he has done. You see, when God shows up in your hurt, the world will look on and God will be glorified. So when you walk through a fire and God shows up in a mighty and a miraculous way and you're unharmed and somehow you end up being set free because that's who he is, the world looks on and brings glory to the Father because it's not about you. There's nothing those boys could have done but stand. The outcome wasn't up to them. The responsibility of obedience was, but the outcome was left to God. And God in all of his wisdom and all of his might and all of his power showed up in a miraculous way. But here's how we're gonna end service today. I'm gonna ask two questions. And for just a moment, I'm just gonna ask you to close your eyes. And I know sometimes you show up to church and maybe you've never been to church and you're like, I, what's this close your eyes? I, it's not like there's a biblical significance to it. I, just for me personally, I think it eliminates distractions. You're not worried about what the person in front of you is doing, the person on the side of you is doing. You're just focusing in and saying, okay, God, what is it that you want to say to me here in this moment? And I wonder how many of you watching online or in person are hearing this message. You, you'd have the conviction, you'd have the courage to say, God, I'm not asking you to deliver me from or deliver this trial from me. I'm asking you to deliver me through the trial. God, I'm not asking for you to remove the season. God, I'm asking you to show up in the midst of the season so that I can find freedom in you and through you. And if that's you, if, if you're here today and you're walking through a fire, and that would be your prayer, that God would, would not deliver you from that season, but deliver you through that season. If that's your courageous prayer all over this place, with no one looking around, would you do me a favor and just raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you. It's a Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego faith right there. But a faith that is tested gives you the ability to be able to trust that faith moving forward. And put your hands down. Keep your eyes closed because now I'm going to ask another group of people to be bold because you want to talk about fire. You want to talk about a season. You want to talk about a trial. Jesus was in a garden called Gethsemane and he's praying and drops of blood are just that's the agony, the anguish he finds himself in. He knows what's getting ready to happen. He knows he's going to be flogged and beaten, that he's going to have to give his life. And that the people who will be present will be the people who ask for his crucifixion. But it's those people, those people that he'll give his life for. You know who those people are? It's you and I. that while we were yet sinners, Christ gave his life for us. And he says, not my will. He says, if this cup, God, Father, if, if, this, if this cup could pass for me, then, then let it, but not my will, but your will be done. And then he goes on, it, the scripture goes on to say that, that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And you're like, but Pastor Lance, that doesn't sound like a bunch of joy. No, it's not joy. 
the pain and torture was not joyous for him. Do you know what is joyous for him? Do you know why it says for, for, he, for he set before him, the joy set before him? It's for this moment right here and right now. That individuals, you and me, would surrender our lives and receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. That brings him joy. When we give up control and say, God, I need you, that's why Jesus gave his life, so we could experience life eternally. The scripture says that those who call upon in the name of the Lord will be saved. So here's what I'm asking you to do. It's, it's just a super courageous, bold step of faith. If you're gonna be honest with yourself this morning and say, I don't, God is not first in my life. I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I need the forgiveness of sin. Today is the day of surrender. So again, with no one looking around, all we're gonna do is pray for you. If you're watching online, there's one of our hosts who'd love to pray with you. If you're here in the room, all I'm gonna ask you to do right now in this moment, I, again, I'm, I'm, I didn't do it in the first service, I'm gonna just do it in the second service. Again, there's no significance to it, it's just preparing you to have that, that, that type of faith that says I need, to, I need to surrender. So I'm gonna count to three, when I get to three, if you need to surrender your life to Jesus, just raise your hand up and say that's me, would you pray with me? All over this place, one, two, three. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyone else? I don't want this moment to, to pass by. Let's pray.